Hi, I'm Tally. Hi, I'm Tony. And we're book lovers. Who are lazy? Hi. Hi, everyone. How are you? I'm good, as usual. I'm tired, but not because I haven't been a good girl for my sleep. I'm busy. I went to Oxford to see some family. And buy loads of books. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and do some reading. Yay! <laughs> oh good at least you've did some reading in. did you go by a train yeah so we went up on the train it's only now it's oxford once you get into london uh, it's not too bad so yeah but it was mostly just reading in the hotel because we're obviously not out very late so we just get back to the hotel at like 10 read for a bit uh, were you there all weekend when did you go friday oh okay oh that's nice nice little break yeah so lots of walking it's a very it's like a walking cycling city more than anything yeah need lots to see and not many days to do it in Better squeeze it all in mm-hmm. but yeah i'm nearly finished with the final kingdom of ash book i have yeah. a suspicion there might be one more i need to look it up but it doesn't feel like there's enough time for her to end this whole series is it one of those ones where you're looking at how many pages are left and you're like mm, are you gonna resolve all this i don't think so not enough or it's gonna be a rubbish resolution if you are if there's another book i'm gonna buy it because i'm invested now i need to know <laughs> Too deep. I'm way too deep now. <laughs> um, what have you read? Okay, so I listened to an audiobook on the weekend. It was 11 hours. I started it Saturday morning and finished it last night. I could not stop listening to it. And it's a non-fiction called Chavs, The Demonization of the Working Class by Owen mm-hmm. Jones. And oh my God, it's going to be a book that I'm going to tell every single person I meet to read I think if you've ever used the term chav you have to read that book you just have to it's just yeah like do you remember there was a stand-up with Russell Howard where he was like chav is just another way of saying don't call people dress funny yeah literally and it goes into all the history of it and it's all like it's all interwoven with so many politics and everything like that and it went really into the housing situation in the UK my dissertation was written on housing in Stevenage and because oh, Stevenage is the first new town that was ever built in in England Blackpack town yeah yeah and uh, so I did a dissertation on the utopian ideal that it was based on and whether it works now so I did like a, and I did a future of it so yeah it was it just really rekindled my uh, nerdy architecture obsession as well and it was it was just so good and it just oh uh, yeah no I just loved it it makes me breathing. it makes me want to do go like I've always wanted to be involved in politics and whenever I think about going into it I'm like I'm not the right person for it because if someone argued with me, I'd cry. So I'm just not the yeah. right person for politics, even though I'm passionate about it. <laughs> so yeah, it was a really good book. I definitely recommend it. Mm, it sounds really interesting. I started listening to, um, I bought the first audiobook in the Garth Nix, like, Have a Horsing series. Oh, yeah. I think I talked about it in, one, in a blog, and I was like, I really want to, I can't reread that again. Like, I've got too much to read. So I was like, I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> Um, who who's the narrator? The one I listened to was Tim Curry, I think. I yeah, really Tim enjoyed Curry, it. Yeah. yeah. I've really enjoyed it actually. And then afterwards I was like, I need to own these books that I can reread them. And I was thanks to you. 
Yeah, no, you just need to read everything I recommend. I've never steered you wrong. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> so wrong. today we're going to talk about books that have made us cry. Just like a happy topic. Yeah, you know, just yeah. chilling. After after <laughs> me <memes time>. last week. <laughs> just some good times. <laughs> the sun's shining. <laughs> we've had nice weekends <laughs> why not, not make good. ourselves sad <laughs> i've had a really really stressful day at work so it's not a good day <laughs> let's oh, talk God. about crying <laughs> we're gonna do one at a time or just go like you do your full your top five and i'll do my top five and then we cry <laughs> we're emotionally <laughs> let's take it in turns okay because potentially we've got a couple of the same there was one that i was going to put on my list and i was like no because i think you will definitely have that on your list mm. but there is one on my list that you may also okay we'll see shall i go first with the one that i think you might also have on your list yep perks of being a wallflower oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah um <laughs> yep that's yeah. yeah that's on there because it's just I just think it's really the narration's so well done because you're inside Charlie's head and it's like a stream of consciousness style of narr- narration. Yeah. And you're you're there think you're kind of thinking these thoughts as he's thinking them because you're reading them as he's getting sicker and sicker and sicker and the yeah. thoughts get more and more chaotic and and I just that poor boy, you just want to cuddle him. Oh my god, yeah. So needs a hug. <laughs> So for anyone that doesn't know, Perks of Being a Wallflower is by Stephen Chbosky. Is that how you say his surname? I, I said Chbosky, but I'm not sure that's correct at okay. all. Um, one of those. And it's about a young boy, Charlie, who is 16, I think, 17. Because yeah. he missed a couple of school years, didn't he? Yeah. And it's, yeah, contemporary fiction of basically his school year, making friends, slash his mental health deterioration yeah but he's had time out because of uh his best friend killed himself and that obviously caused a um, further mental health lapse but he'd had mental health issues before that happened yeah and then he had to return back to school after a bit of a stint in a i believe in a facility yeah yeah Um, that's why he missed a few years of school yeah it's been a while since i read it i i reserved that for when i'm ready to truly ball my eyes out yeah and then he yeah goes back to school and he makes friends with a couple of sort of quirky kids in the year above um yeah and they like they like introduce him to like they kind of bring him out of his shell and introduce him to happiness again almost don't they and then Um, it all seems to be going a little bit too well yeah and then they go to leave for college and it kind of pulls the rug from out from under him and his favorite teacher moves on from the school so it's a whole a whole thing and it's a lot for him to handle um, and then he starts to have flashbacks to something that happened to him after discussing it happening with a girl he's kind of interested in. Uh-huh. Um, and then the flashbacks get worse as things progress in their relationship. And yeah, oh, I just, oh, oh, just it's, I just, I just need a hug. <laughs> it's like really, it's almost like a diary, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's really intimate, isn't it? How it's written. Yeah. You are fully it's, his in his head. They happen. Yeah. That's why I kind of call it like stream of consciousness kind of yeah. style. Like it's not always cohesive because thoughts right. aren't always cohesive. And I think no matter how old you are, I'm in my 30s, I can still read that now and remember. 
like it still strikes a chord I can still yeah. feel those emotions I think it's been written really well and it's like, obviously it's got it's like one of my favorite quotes in that as well is that, that I feel infinite thing yeah. and it's got a uh, film adaptation which you said doesn't hit you as much but it doesn't cry I made some of my friends cry when I made them watch it <laughs> yeah I cry solidly throughout that film every time I watch it it kills me even worse because I know what's coming yeah I think the guy the actor in it he plays Charlie really well to be honest yeah I think the casting of all of them like Emma Watson and Ezra Miller I think they're all brilliantly cast and you can just see like there's just so much going on in his face you can see because trying to translate that from my head written down to acting is quite a task and I think he does really really well your turn Tell, tell us one Okay, so I'm going to stick with my original list, even though I feel like All the Bright Places probably has kicked one of them out. That was the one I was going to add, but I thought you will probably have it on your list. That's a bonus one. <laughs> yeah, I think I've spoken enough about that one. Yeah. So that's, we're going with my original five that I have done before. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, one of them would now be superseded by All the Bright Places. Do you oh, have sure. an idea of an idea of which one you think? Yes. So I did have Kite Runner on here. Um, Khaled Hassini. Never uh, read it. Sorry if I have mispronounced that. I am not good <laughs> names. It's... It is set in Afghanistan, and it follows like the story of like two young boys when they live in Afghanistan together. One of them is like is the son of a very rich his father, who's very rich. They have a big house. And then the other boy is the son of their servant. Right. But they're, they're best mates. And it oh. kind of tells their story as best mates in Afghanistan. Um, and some stuff happens to his bestie, which is quite sad, um, which caused them to kind of lose their friendship. So Hassan said there's something happened to him, which I can't tell you about without massively spoiling the book. But he kind of basically lets it happen. Does he kind of have to let it happen because of his his position? For selfish reasons, basically. He's a kid, oh. he makes a selfish decision, something bad happens to his friend, and the friend knows he let it happen. And they oh. kind of drift apart. And then it is set in kind of the time when, obviously, the Afga- Afghanistan wars were happening. So him and his father choose to flee. The servant and his son choose to stay. And so they flee, they move to America. So then it kind of jumps forward in time to his life as an adult. He meets his wife and then he finds out that um, Hassan has died and that um, he is going to go meet his son there and rescue his son from quite a bad situation with the um, forces over there that had invaded. But it's so sad, the whole thing. And then when all the stuff with him, what happens to Hassan's son is not good. And Hassan's son has had some really horrible things happen to him and he's only really young. Oh, no. Yeah, so his son has had a lot of bad things happen to him and it's all about him trying to make up for what happened, what he did to Hassan by taking care of Hassan's son. Um, and I read that in sixth form, <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, wow. There, there is, you know, trigger warning a lot of, um, there is a lot of rape in it. And when you're just reading that in sixth form. Yeah. I think there's probably trigger warnings for all the books that are going to be on this list, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah, so I've seen 
kite runner a few times and I always okay I knew nothing about it you've just made me want to read it because I like a cry I always thought it was like a YA dystopian book like maze runner or whatever it was so I just always put in that thing in my head like you know divergent and like that section I don't know why so I never picked it up oh my god a lot of people think it's like biographical but it's not it's just that well written that people think it is because the the main the main speaker in it he becomes a writer in America so everyone assumes that's actually kind of his senior story and he's like no it's just very (laughs) well written yeah I made it up like his childhood and like as in the cultural aspects of it yeah so it's kind of like a almost like a prince and the pauper kind of tale kind of yeah, it just gets into all the politics and the war and then also just like it just covers a lot of pretty serious topics yeah. <laughs> but in you know, just a really well done kind of way mm. um and obviously that's a war we don't get told much about yeah and it goes into some of the history before that as well like prior to the most recent like wars in afghanistan so it goes into sort of the last hundred years or so and all that kind of thing but like in the context of the situation yeah yeah it's really good when you read a book that it teaches you something about history that you didn't know and specifically history outside what you would know anyway but you still enjoy the story anyway yeah i recently read frankenstein in baghdad i can't remember the author ahmed something so that's like a retelling of frankenstein yeah the sort of history you don't tend to get taught it'll be a very uh washed over version I remember the teacher I had that was that taught the book she was very she didn't gloss over kind of some of the the English involvement in the history oh wait so you you didn't just read it as a as no no I I did it in sixth form as in it was a a book I thought you meant you just read it when you're in sixth form like yeah it's a bit intense to be like especially if you read bits of it aloud and you're like 17 in class that was a lot I remember reading of mice and men out loud Hmm. I think that was the only book we read out loud. No, and Harry Potter. They were the only books we read out loud at school. Yeah, I had a teacher that was really into reading things aloud. So I did it a lot. Yeah, I used to always get told off because I read ahead because people read too slow for me. I had a great teacher, really good teacher. She's very strict, so most people didn't like her at school. But I loved her. And she used to, she knew I was reading ahead. And rather than tell me off for that, because I was like, I was reading for pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So she would just, like, when it came to my turn, she'd go, Tony, 76, and I'd just flip yeah. to the... I used to have, like, one finger where I thought people were and one finger, like, yeah. where I was, and I'd flip back and just check and be like, no, a couple more pages. <laughs> she, she would just say the page number to me, and then yeah. off we went. <laughs> That's how it should be, because you shouldn't yeah. encourage or you shouldn't discourage people who want to read or want to read ahead. She was great. I used to do, like, homework for, from other lessons in her class, and she was like, you're not being disruptive, you're yeah. doing your work. And you're not behind on my class, so what does it no. matter? No, like, I'd yeah. get her work done and then do other homework. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, what are we doing today? <laughs> That's a good teacher, I like that. Yeah. There was one I was going to put on this list, and I decided not to, but I'm going to mention it. I was going to mm. put Crooked Kingdom on this list, but I thought, no, because it's a sequel, I can't talk about it. Cause it would be difficult to explain why it made you cry. Pardon? <laughs> It's going to be difficult to explain yeah. why it made you cry without so I, spoiling everything. I bumped that off, but that's another okay. bonus one that okay. would have was originally on the list. And I replaced it with The Book Thief, 
Marcus Cusack. Oh, got it. Not read it yet, though. Obviously, you probably know what it's about. It's based, well, it originally starts in 1939 in Nazi Germany, and it follows two characters. It follows Death as a character, and it follows a little girl called Liesel. She becomes obsessed with hoarding books and obviously because it's nazi germany there's a lot of books being burnt etc etc and death flips in and out of her life as the people around her obviously die and it's really clever because it's literally follows her and just her obsession with books and what's happening to her in the world around well in the town around her and she doesn't have a full grasp on what's happening because she's a child it touches on all of the things that are happening in nazi germany and she doesn't have like the full comprehension of what's happening. Yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of heartbreaking, obviously. Like, have you ever read um like Anne Frank's diary? No, I've always wanted to. It's just a teenage girl's diary. So a yeah. lot of it's just like mum and dad are annoying. I tried to clean, but I made too much noise and everyone told me off. And you know, I like this boy, I think about kissing this boy. It's it's just a teenage girl's diary, but she's yeah. like trapped in an attic the whole time. Yeah. And then it, it it ends very abruptly and obviously that's the point at which they were found yeah um but then the conclusion and the one i've got was that the camps were like liberated two days after she passed oh and so it's like if they'd have just lasted like another week it wouldn't have happened <laughs> that's the bit but i didn't say, the actual book is, is itself is like obviously very hard hitting but that's the bit that i was like oh <laughs> you didn't need to do this to me (laughs) yeah it didn't make me cry actually then but yeah it was that bit where they were like um the conclusion was just like oh yeah they'd have just made it like another week in hiding they wouldn't have died that's just yeah not fair is it no but it's just it's just like like a little teenage girl's life that's kind of what this is like yeah she's just trying to just stealing books trying to learn how to read just trying to get by her family are trying to get by they're trying to live their life they're trying not to um compromise on their personal beliefs but obviously don't want to appear as if they're not compromising Mm -hmm. yeah it's really good i think people think it's a ya but it's actually not it's not well it wasn't intended to be a ya but i think because the girl is young but i think it's fine for young people to read a writing technique if you're trying to write tragedy is you don't write big you write small Mm. so you don't you know you talk about like the sad little sock on the floor of like a tiny child's sock abandoned in a gutter yeah. blood in it you don't talk about the child dying like you don't go big that's no. probably why that kind of that way of doing it is very effective but and it also makes it more re- relatable i don't yeah, know yeah. relatable is a word but you can almost put yourself in in their shoes can't you because yeah, yeah empathize yeah. You can't picture, you think you can picture, but you can't truly picture being in some situations. But smaller ones, the hint at stuff, you can picture being in. When they say now, like, what are you going to talk about when you say you lived through, like, a pandemic and all this, all the history that's happened to us in the last two years? Yeah. And, like, the reality of it was, was like, oh, I queued in Sainsbury's a really long time. That's all I know. <laughs> like, we, we got a trampoline and I played on the trampoline every day with my kid. <laughs> and then we did a lot of walks it was great (laughs) I didn't have to see people for a year for me it was wonderful (laughs) I read a lot (laughs) I had some leisure time (laughs) yeah I remember when I'd seen you (laughs) it was like a giant vacation (laughs) how are you doing and you were like great (laughs) yeah I don't want it to end right now I'm loving it (laughs) 
There's never had a better reason not to be around people. I've been very much like, I'm not going back to my old life when this is mm. over. If it's ever over, I'm not going back to my old life. I'm happy like this. <laughs> I'm only letting a select few into my life now. Yeah, it's the TikTok of like, oh, I'd love to have you over, but oh, it's the pandemic. Oh, what a shame. And like now I've, I've almost whittled it down to just like four friends and I'm like, done. <laughs> yeah, my, my tolerance for having someone I don't want to speak to talk at me. I'm like, I'm no longer interested in being polite to you. No, no, like, yeah, patience. I've got my peoples and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think a lot of companies are going to struggle when they force people to go back to work because people can't do smiling and nodding anymore when they're talking to the idiot in the office. Mm-hmm. And we've gone very off topic, but yeah, um, just this weekend, like, having to socialize with people even if they're their family like from morning till evening no that sounds like, I was like my throat was really sore and I was like I just don't speak this much anymore mm. like that sounds really sad but on a day-to-day basis I don't speak this much <laughs> obviously kept my social battery kept running out and everyone's like are you okay and I'm like I'm just I'm just tired <laughs> I only recently learned I'm an extrovert. You've got to bear with me. Mm. <laughs> I've got to like learn to charge this battery up. I need to go read. I'm still stand by that. I'm an introverted extrovert. Right? Yeah. I people, but I, I need them to shh for a bit. <laughs> On your terms. Yeah. Like you can be over there and be quiet. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need constant interaction with like, you. Um, like those couples that just say they really get along because they both just are in the room together. It's just nice to know the other person's there. Should we on tangent? <laughs> yeah, go on. Give, give me another one. Hit me. <laughs> so this one is probably a book you wouldn't have heard of. Oh. And it's not an author who is very well known, I don't think, either. It's called Tiny Sunbirds Far Away. Never heard of it. Name that. is Chrissy Watson. Tell me about it. So it's set in Africa somewhere. Yeah. Very rural Africa. Uh, so it follows the story of this. It's narrated from the girl's point of view. There's two kids. There's the, the girl who speaks, and then her brother, and then her mum. Uh, her mum and dad get divorced. They break up. And because they live in a complex that doesn't allow women to live alone her mum has ends up having to move back home to the rural countryside she came from and these kids are city kids they've they're both their parents had good jobs so they they had a nice flat they were used to a certain way of living and then suddenly they're suddenly very poor living in like a relatively poor area right in the countryside and it's there's lots of interesting cultural things in there as well uh lots of like things obviously we just don't know and it's just about their lives there their grandmother who they move back in with is a midwife for the area and it's an area where fgm is like actively practiced and nothing cringes me more or makes me angry (laughs) and then basically the grandmother starts to train the girl to be a midwife Again, it's like the mum doesn't want that to happen because the mum was like moved out to a city, got a city job. She wants that for her kids. Yeah. Um, and she wants to go back to that lifestyle if she can. So she's intending on returning to that at some point when she can. Yes. But then this little girl, she finds that she starts to fall in love with the rural kind of way she's grown up. And she loves it and she chooses to do this training with her grandmother. Uh, and so she attends births of women who have had FGM and obviously have complicated births as a result. And then she also attends births where her grandmother chooses to do it to baby girls as well. On on the premise that 
I will do it properly and make sure the baby girl isn't harmed and in a way that means she can give birth safely. I would rather they didn't go to someone else who wouldn't do it properly. And the little girl is very conflicted because she's just she just seen like a lady have to be rushed to hospital because she couldn't give birth because of poorly done a GM and then she's seen her grandmother do it and so it's the ethics of that. That's a horrible position to be in, morally speaking. Like grandmother is like, if I don't do it, someone else will do it badly yeah. and then women won't be able to give birth safely when they're older. She's like, yes, I'm doing it, but I'm not but doing it. She doesn't it. agree with it, but, but it, she still does it. Yeah, because it could be. No, I mean, yeah. yeah, okay, it, yeah. It, it, it's a topic I really That's didn't know what about before reading it, but it's all told from like a twelve-year-old's point of view. Yeah. Um, and this part of Africa, there's quite a lot going on politically at the time. And then her mother, so she chooses not to engage in rural life at all. She works at a hotel for tourists, where she falls in love with a white man who lives there and works there, um, and he's American. And they kind of fall in love and they, he treats her to certain things. She ends up getting a promotion at this job. Like she starts to get that lifestyle back. And then her brother gets entangled with like a not so good group of boys in the area who are part of the gangs. It's all about what he goes through. Grandfather gets a second wife and it talks all about that. Oh my God. It's culturally so interesting. Is it all um, just from the little girl's point of view or does it stop yeah. between them? Yeah, it's just hers. Because uh, so obviously it's not unusual for a man to have multiple wives in that area. Yeah, it's just, it's just about all the stuff that happens. Mother's white partner gets abducted by one of these gangs on his return. I'm sorry, like, is this yeah. book a thousand pages long? Like, how do they fit all of this plot in? It's not even that long. That's what I mean. It's a really intense book, but it's really good. And then, yeah, oh. he chooses to move to a, back to America and take her and the kids with them. Oh. Um, so it's just all about what happens. I'm not going to spoil the ending. Um, that sounds really intense. Little girl blames her mum for the divorce because she doesn't remember what her dad's actually like. And then something happens that means their dad comes to visit them. And then she sees her dad as, so she's now like 14 or something. She sees him and now she's older. Through like and adult she, eyes almost. Yeah, through more grown up eyes because she's just seen and done a lot since they moved there. And she suddenly realised that she was wrong about her mum. And it was just very well done. But um. There's the stuff that happens towards the end that, oh my God. My, I read it while I was at uni. It wasn't part of a uni course. Um, but yeah, I had like housemates came and checked on me. <laughs> I, I don't mind if they're designed to make you cry because they're making you think. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this book. And there's a lot, especially as you're reading it as a Western person. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. She's like, yeah, she's got other books as well. I've got one of her one of her other ones, but I've not read it yet. Because um, I haven't been able to face it because I feel I don't trust her anymore. Because it was... <laughs> You're just trying to cry. I was like, I need to be mentally prepared for this. <laughs> it's been like six years. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds really good. Like, yeah, your your books sound really like thought provoking. Mine are not so much, but yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel what it makes you feel. <laughs> okay, so this is a book that I recently read it's called before the coffee gets cold by toshikazu kawaguchi it a translated piece it was originally uh, japanese so it's about a time traveling cafe basically so it's a little coffee shop in japan if you go in there and you order a coffee and sit in a certain seat you can go back in time but there's lots of rules so the rules are you can only do it once you can only do it from that seat and you cannot leave that seat. So you can only go back in time to when you've been in that coffee shop and you can only stay 
in a pass till the coffee gets cold. So you've only got 15 minute window or whatever, which sounds like a weird premise. Like who would, there's so, there's so many stipulations. So the book is um, broken up into four stories that all revolve around obviously the coffee shop and the staff that work there. The first story is, uh, I, won't, yeah, I won't go into too much details about them, but like the first story is a lady who her boyfriend broke up with her in that coffee shop and she wants answers why. It's been six months or something. Yeah. So she decides to go back to try and get the answers of why he broke up with her because she really loved him. The next one is about a two, uh, this husband and wife that always go in there. The husband's got severe dementia and doesn't remember her a lot of the time. So she wants to go back to a time when he remembered her. It goes on from there. So there's like a lady who comes in and she wants to go back and meet her sister who's passed on, mm. but they had they were in the coffee shop at the same time. Eventually goes on to a mother who wants to know if she can go to the future mm. because she is pregnant and is not sure if she is going to survive the pregnancy and she wants to see if she can meet her child. So. Okay. Yeah, as a mum, that broke my heart. <laughs> I think maybe, I think I still would have been upset before, but I think, yeah, yeah as, as a mum, it hit me different. And I actually cried for like, I don't, I'm not even ashamed to say, I've probably cried for, on and off for about a week over it. But it's just really, really well written. And the, the idea of it, and you know the staff so well. And, mm. you know, it's the same staff in and out of all of the stories because they're the, the consistent in the uh, in the coffee shop. And, yeah, I can't really say much more because they're obviously kind of yeah. short stories. That's just the... So is it, like, omniscient kind of narration then? Or is it told from, like, a staff member's point of view or something? Yeah, no, it's it's not from anyone's point of view. Just sort <laughs> of an overseer narrator. Yeah, yeah, like the little yeah. ghosty ghost. Oh. Omniscient. Third person. Yes. It's just a really quirky yeah, little idea. Sound. Yeah, that does sound heartbreaking. <laughs> it's a really quirky little idea, but I don't know how they managed to break my heart with it, but they just did. And the first story of just like, not just, but you know, some some woman who's like, I don't know why my boyfriend broke up with me. And then yeah, it's like a force because <laughs> you have a false sense of what you're going to be dealing with. And it's yeah. progressively darker and darker. And there's a sequel that came out last year, I think okay um, but looking at reviews it's more light-hearted i hate those ones where it's like affecting you for like several days it's like a and you can't cloud. explain to anyone else what's really wrong no <laughs> like something happened to some fictional people i've never met and i'm not okay yeah and i don't know what's going to happen to them because it's a book and it's done and that's it and i think about them you're just like doing your teeth and you're like remember this and oh that does it? happen as well doesn't it you're just like making a cup of tea and you're like oh remember when that person yeah but it's like a book thing i'm like i'll be in the shower and it's like you haven't really cried about this sad book since you like finished it do you feel like doing that now i'm like i don't have time. a good time I feel like this needs to be a quick shower. I don't have time to cry. I don't have time to be emotional. It's always like when it's just very inconvenient and brain's like, want to deal with this now? And I'm like, yeah. I'm making toast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> thanks, brain. <laughs> brain. Okay, so, so my next one is, it's not really like the whole book, but if you're talking about like one where I know it, it pretty much is guaranteed to make me cry. That's what I want to hear about. 
Yeah. So it's not like the whole book isn't sad, but there's like a bit in it that I doesn't matter how many times I've reread it, always makes me cry. And that is in the final Harry Potter book when he goes and gets the memories from Snape, sees them, finds out all the truth, and then unlike in the films, <laughs> has to very slowly walk to the forest. Can I do spoilers? I mean, if you haven't fucking read Harry Potter or seen it by now, like, what's think, wrong with you? I think, yeah, I think... Well, we're yeah. 10 years, 10, 15 years after the films came out, for Christ's sake. You're just going to have to skip, like, 10 minutes if you haven't read that book well, or seen the film. Bit, but also, if you haven't read all the book or seen the film by now, you probably don't care, so... Yeah, so obviously he knows he's got to walk to his death, hmm. and he does it alone. He chooses to walk that path alone which is obviously very symbolic to do with like the Deathly Hallows and all that kind of stuff. And the narration of that bit's really well done. Like the books have a lot of flaws, but that bit I think is really well done because the whole time he's walking, he's thinking about like how he's never valued the number of like the, the miracle of his body and the number of heartbeats he had left in his breath. And he's just like marveling at the miracle of like being alive. And then he's thinking about all the ways in which everyone who ever took care of him stood up for him have died everything one by one these people have felt yeah it's so it's so well done and now it's just you talking about it so <laughs> that's my obviously my writer pr- prowess oh god and yeah he's just thinking about like there's no one left there's no one left it has to be me i have to die and he does that walk alone and he chooses not to say goodbye to Ginny, and then he just stops long enough to say to neville oh yeah can you kill the snake and then neville's just like you're right harry and he's like yeah i'm fine it's just then, he grows up so much, doesn't he? In mm-hmm. like that moment, he just accepts it, and and, and yeah, and does he? And then obviously, where because I hate when people are like they don't explain how it all how Voldemort they don't explain how Voldemort dies, how it all works, how Harry's the Horcrux. Like they do, just pay, just read the books. Yeah, it's you just, only watch the films. It's not going to make sense. No, um, like when I watch the films with people who haven't read the books. I have to fill in so much for them because they have so yeah. many questions. And I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, good point. It's the way Voldemort dies is wrong, but I'll rant about that in a second. Oh, we um, need to do, like... A Harry Potter one, yeah, versus yeah, film. But one, one book, one episode <laughs> per book. Yeah. And then we'll do it. one episode per character because I have a lot to say about everything. Yeah, I have so much to say about it as well. We'll, um, do, we'll do a reread because I haven't yeah. done that in about a year. We'll do that. And it's like, obviously, he then, he uses the stone, the resurrection stone, to conjure people to walk him to his death. And they're just prepping for the mentors. And he just, you know, the whole thing is just very guaranteed to have me fully just crying from from like, from the memories onwards. Yeah. Even though I know what's going to happen, all of that. And, like, the stuff with Hagrid, the fact that Hagrid is there, because Hagrid gets a bit slept on um. <laughs> as protector of Harry. The greatest failure of She Who Shall Not Be Named yeah. is that she did not give Hagrid the respect he deserved. He is actually the only father figure that Harry had, and she just only absolutely disrespected that. Figure. Yeah. No, when he went, oh, I don't, I don't yeah. miss the episode. Hagrid, in my head, Hagrid goes back to school, he gets his diploma, he gets, gets to be like respected in the magical industry for his care of animals. <laughs> He's mm. the godfather to Harry's children. <laughs> In rereads, the epilogue doesn't exist. I stop. It shouldn't be there. It's rubbish. Oh, I don't mind it. I 
hate it. I hate the names we've picked. There's no Hagrid in there. No, names, names are rubbish, but yeah. <laughs> Why are you just like, naming your kids after every after person? All the men that let me down and abuse me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to name you after everyone that abused me, everyone that treated me like a pawn in their own game. Yeah, I mean, like, Dumbledore's plan, yes, saved the day, and that's what he was aiming for. But he, he does, he does say, Harry he does, as a pawn. Yeah, yeah, but he does say to Harry in the memory like I've you know I've, I've done this at your expense and I knew that he kind of doesn't even really say sorry that's why I'm not a Dumbledore stan as I've got no. older yeah and I mean I've rolled oh. how Voldemort dies because like basically J.K. Rowling did work with she worked for a charity that worked with refugees from a war zone so the whole point is Voldemort dies and he dies a human death because all tyrants can die all tyrants are human in the end that's the point mm-hmm. he can die yeah. And then he has a human body, a body that they place respectfully in a separate room from their dead. They do not abuse the body like he does to Harry's body when he thinks Harry is dead. And it's it's very, it's so important. But no, in the movies, he bursts into dust after they fly around for a bit. Don't get me started. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's the pretty much guaranteed. And then in the films, when he walks with, does he walk with Hermione and Ron? What, afterwards? When he, you know, when he says goodbye to them on the stairs or something. Yeah, I can't even remember now. I'm sure he does because I, I remember my friend of mine um got really cross with me because I wouldn't shut up. No, weren't they? Weren't <laughs> they? Actually, weren't they running off to go find the basilisk? Weren't they having? Oh, when they were having their little kiss underground. Well, that happens ages before the memories. Oh, okay. I've not watched the films for a while. Have you read or seen Cursed Child? No. Okay, I read it last year, or the year before, last year. Don't read it, ever. Yeah, I wasn't, that's why I haven't read it. No, I, I have so much regrets. It's like um that woman wrote uh, her own fan fiction. Yeah, see, I'm with the rest of the, any Harry Potter fans who, I'm with the ones that have decided she no longer exists. Yeah, exactly. You know. Well, her like, characters are not. The fandom have made the characters what they are. I mean, you, I know, and I'm sure you know, so much about the Marauders. That's not canon. That's fanon. But it, it's everyone accepts it as real because yeah. she gave us the basis, and everyone else is built into it. I don't, also, I don't agree with you know the whole woke J.K. Rowling thing of years later being like so and so could have been trans, so and so could have been black, so and so was gay. And like, oh, uh, Dumbledore was gay, but even I'm doing prequels, we're not gonna have him be gay. And as I've got older, I really don't like obviously, I've noticed more and more in it, but mm. I really don't like the way that she has the way she writes females. So, yeah. to be a good person, you need to have you need to get married and have children. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're not a good person. And I'm sorry, the, what to have that many for the time she was writing it. It was very, probably quite feminist to have so many strong female characters. Well, I remember However, thinking that. They yeah. are all mothers, you know, even, they all get married and have babies. Even Ginny, who yeah. is supposedly a Quidditch star, she's a professional athlete, has mm. kids. What are you talking about? She's having three kids. No, she's on the bloody Quidditch pitch being awesome. Okay, right. Let's uh, let's plow through. Maybe I don't know when you when when and if you guys listen to this, uh, comment your Harry Potter pet peeves and we'll go over them at some point. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. 
The next one is called The Changeling by Victor Laval. The Changeling is a mythical creature that I didn't know about before, so thanks for that. Mm-hmm. And it follows a man who grew up without a father, he grew up with his mother. It's set in like New York in now, you know, now times. Yeah. Um, current day would be a correct form of what I just said. And <laughs> in now times. And um, it follows him as he meets a lady falls in love and they have a child mm. it's always the babies it's always the kids when a baby's born things start getting weird his wife isn't acting like her she says that the baby's not their baby she says the baby's been swapped out now the changeling is a creature that swaps babies with its baby kind of yeah. like a cocoon they're still human babies yeah yeah and you raise the baby that isn't human anymore you're raising this like demon witch whatever so she's like it's not my child i need to kill it yeah so he's like, hey, you've got PTSD. Um, you've got... Postpartum depression. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't really say much more. But obviously, no. Mm-hmm. My mum heart can't cope. <laughs> yeah. And it's really well written. He is a fantastic writer. I've read a yeah. few more of his things since. And yeah, I, I would definitely list him as one of my favourites now. He does horror really, really well. He, like, writes horror but in a way that you don't really notice so much. Like, I think it's good for people like that don't necessarily... yeah. Yeah, I think it's good for people that don't necessarily read outright horror. But yeah, and he is just a father who is determined to find out what's, what's happened, what, yeah. what's, if he can fix it, and he just wants to, he just wants to protect his child and his wife, and it is really emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the whole point of this episode. <laughs> so my final one, which I think you probably knew was coming, is The Fall in Our Stars. Oh, no. Do you know, I've never read it. <gasps> God. I know what it's about. Yeah. So basically, when I read this, I was, it was when I was traveling and I was in South Africa. And I was like in a six-person dorm where there was like zero privacy. There's not much to do in the evenings. And we used to get up at like 6, 7 a.m. And like we'd be working all day because it was like a volunteer tourism thing. So everyone went to sleep like really early. Um, and I can't go to sleep at 9 p.m. Like no matter if I'm getting up at 7 a.m. It's just not, it's not me. Can't do it. And also I get, if I get too much sleep, I get weird, vivid dreams and they were happening. I read while everyone else was asleep. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So I started, I started this book at 9 p.m. And... When I say I was crying from the first page, because she nearly died from the cancer she had a few years ago, and then they tried a miracle drug, but it sort of talks about she had to say goodbye to her parents, so it opens with that information. She thought she was closing her eyes for what's the final time, her parents are sobbing, and that's all she, that's then, then that's when she thought she was going to die, and then the miracle drugs kicked in. She genuinely thought that was her last breath kind of thing. And that's like the opening scene. So it opens on what would usually be the end of the book. Kind like of. The emotional climax of the end. It opens. Yeah, you're, you're straight in at that. And then like the way it discusses cancer and being ill is very much like how you'd actually, if you were living with it, you can't be sad all the time. Her and her family make a lot of funny jokes about cancer and things like that. Because yeah. she, you know, there's that one day where she's been hanging out with the, the boy all day. And then she was like, and then I had to go to bed because I was tired from a long day of having cancer. Like, she says a lot of things like that. And they have a lot of jokes of like, because they're children with cancer, they get a lot of presents and gifts and they call them cancer perks. And the boy, the love interest in it that she meets, they make fun of each other's cancer perks. And like, he makes fun of her make a wish she did when she was 13, when she went to Disney World. Oh. Um, 
he takes the mick out of her for that and stuff. So she meets a, a cancer support group. She meets a boy called Augustus who um is no longer he's in cancer is in remission. Um, he had an entire leg amputated to get rid of it, which is supposed to be like 98% effective. Like there's a 2% chance it could come back. But other than that, he's pretty safe. And he's there actually, not for himself, to support a friend who's just lost his sight to cancer. And they all become friends. Basically, she becomes friends with the blind best friend. And then Augustus and her kind of start dating. She's like, you do know, like I'm stage four, like I'm terminal. She's taken like this miracle drug has basically meant the tumours haven't grown but they also haven't shrunk. So she's kind of been in this stasis point for years now, um, where she needs she's optional like, time. Yeah. In the middle ground, almost. Like, yeah. she's not getting better, but she's not getting worse. Yeah, and the, but they don't know, because this is a new drug, they don't know how long it will work for. They just don't know anything, because mm. it's part of a drug trial, and they get discounted, like, at, obviously they get discounted medicine as a result of doing that as well. So yeah, and then it's, it's just, it's really good. It's about her, her mum obviously doesn't work. She's taking care of her kid. Um, and it's all about also like the parents and what they go through. She obviously falls in love with this boy. And I'm not going to spoil the end for you. The film is fairly accurate. There's little tiny silly details that they miss out. Because obviously he was a kid with cancer. The love interest uses his wish to fulfil her actual wish that she has now which is to go and meet an author of her favourite book. Oh, that's pretty sweet. But then they meet the author and he's not a nice person. But yeah, and it's just it's just a really nice, it's a love story, but against like all that stuff. And the end, yeah, it's just, it's sad throughout, but the ending is just, I did not, I don't know why, I just didn't see it coming. And I had not like read any spoilers online or seen the film or anything when I read it. Yeah. And I was just in this dorm, crying silently into my like, having to hold my bed sheets to my face yeah. while I'm reading and I'm just there like I can't I can't read this anywhere else like I can't go read this because like there's nothing to there was nothing to do like phones the internet was crap the only thing I had to do in my spare time was read so I was just sat I was just there like it was like 12 a.m at that point and I was like I cannot read this tomorrow I can't no, face reading this to. another night and yeah. <laughs> um, it was only 300 pages and I think that is the only time I've read a book in three hours in my life. Wow. Three-ish hours. And so like, yeah, so I started at around 9pm and then around 12-ish, I sort of checked the time and I was like, you know what? We've just got power through. Yeah, you've just got it now. Just sobbing silently to myself in this six-person dorm trying not to wake anyone up. Um, oh totally <laughs> the next morning like i have like if i cry it i get puffy eyes i get red bloodshot eyes i don't, I don't hide it well i'm not a pretty crier and everyone the next morning is like did you not sleep well she's like your eyes are all puffy are you okay like just, everyone's like asking emotional turmoil <laughs> they're all asking if i'm okay the next day i was like i read a sad book <laughs> full like full puffy oh because I obviously didn't sleep well and we were up at 6 a.m. So I, I, I don't know if it was circumstances in which I read that book as a factor. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but it adds to it. <laughs> uh, so I, I read the whole thing in three and a bit hours because I was like straight after uni, so I was quite a fast reader then. Yeah. Quite intense, quite sad. <laughs> I was trying not to wake anyone else up. <laughs> mm. I mean, all the right places, again, might be now equal footing, but up till I read that book, all the right, like, Four and a half stars was my number one for just sobbing. Yeah. But all the other places did make me sob, so. <laughs> it certainly did that, didn't it? You get all those memes of, like, have you been hurt before? Or when, like, <laughs> have you read Four and a half stars? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, who hurt you? And why was it John Green? 
Yeah. I've not read any of his books. I really should. I have a bunch of others, but like, again, that's another author who's broken my trust and has traumatized me. So yeah, there's there's all the books that have traumatized me. What's your final traumatizing book? <laughs> right. You know that middle grade fantasy series that I'm always banging on about? Yeah. Yeah, it always makes me cry. Um, I was actually surprised with that because you keep saying it, but then I don't think you've said yeah. it so the So the series is called The Edge Chronicles. The first one is called Beyond the Deep Woods, and it's by Paul Stewart and Chris Riddell. So originally it was a trilogy, and it was a trilogy of a different character that's related, and then a trilogy of a different character that's related. A few standalone books, like one book is full of short stories with secondary characters. But the initial trilogy really, really hit me. I read it when I was about 14 for the first time, and when I reread it now, it still hits me. I was going to say in the same way, but not the same way. The first book follows Twig, who is a human who was abandoned as a baby, and he's being raised by forest trolls. Wood trolls, sorry. And this is a fantasy world where there's lots of different types of trolls, etc. It's really good for world build. I actually have never read a book with as good of world building as this one. Okay. Um, We'll see, maybe Wheel of Time might be as good a world building. Everyone says it is, but I've not read it. And so he has this, like, abandonment thing in his heart. And he's always bullied by the wood trolls because he's not hes not a wood troll. He's not a troll. He can't yeah. do what they do. He's all gangly. And their thing is you must never, ever leave the path. They live in the deep woods. And you must never, ever leave the path. And one day he strays from the path. So he can never find, he can't find his way back home. And it is literally all about, I mean, at at its core, it's all about him finding, it's like a found family. It's all about him finding a place for himself. Yeah, found family, which he gets me. Yeah, that's (laughs) it. I mean, it's an amazing, the original one is an amazing trilogy. They're all amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, and the first one really, really gets me because it's all, you know, it's just about this boy who's all alone and he feels like no one loves him. He doesn't know who he is and... He finds people along the way that he thinks he can trust and it turns out he can't trust them and no. And I'm so yeah. pleased I read it as a as a teenager mm. and I definitely will be reading it to my son because it's just yeah. I think it just teaches you so many good things. And like even now when I read it, it still makes me upset. It makes me upset in different ways, but I'm still upset over it. Yeah. All. The um the skullduggeries, like isn't they obviously they're not sad, but I just wish I'd read them when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, I love Valkyrie and I think I would have related to her a lot while I was at school. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I got, I'm gutted that I never read them as a teenager because I'm like, I would have, these would have been so good for me. <laughs> yeah, like I was thinking about how, obviously I recently read the Shadow and Bone trilogy and I was like, this was really enjoyable, but I would have eaten this up as a teenager. Yeah. I would have loved it. As an adult, I was a bit like, some of these tropes are a bit... Yeah. Ah, uh, so when I was younger, so Ab Horson series really related to Lyriel when yeah. I was younger. Like that book, that's probably why they mean like I love those books so much. But like, because Lyriel was like so out of place and no one understands her, and then she goes on this journey. Yeah, <laughs> like a journey yeah. of self discovery and finding her place in the world. And yeah, how can you not love those books? I, and then like... um, I have I have an honorary mention for like one that the ending makes me cry. Yeah, it's not necessarily a book that makes me cry. Okay. Um, so it's one of the Cassandra Clare books, The Infernal Divide. <laughs> um. Because you go on this whole journey with all the characters, and there's like a love story, and everything everything ends good. And then there is just like a conclusion, 
of one of the characters is immortal, one is human. So yeah, the conclusion is just about when he passes away. No. Which like is not a spoiler because, because it's, it's, like, more... it's obvious. Yeah. Within like the whole Shadow Hunter world, this is the one set in the eighteen hundreds and then the Mortar Instruments ones are set in like modern day. And then the ones are set in the storyline after that, like the other series. And it's just I was, I was like, you didn't need to do that, you know? It all ended just, really... It all ended really ambiguous. We didn't need to know. Yeah. Like, we all knew it was going to happen, but you didn't need to tell the story of it. So how many books is in her world? Is it, like, 20 odd or something? Because I'm intrigued, but it sounds like it will take a lot of reading. Okay, so there's about 19 on my shelves, and I believe I have all of them. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a big commitment. I've joined a thing on in one of the book groups I'm in on Goodreads. They do yeah. like read alongs, themed ones in different months. And they're doing an August to December one where you have to list a hundred books that you have on your TBR and you've got to try and read as many as you can. They've said, you know, you're not gonna read a hundred yeah. books. And I'm like, I'm struggling to even pick a hundred. I wanna read so many. I've got so many to read. But then I think my friend asked me, she's like, Okay, you've got all these books and you keep like we always make jokes about like how many you need to read. And then she's like, How many have you actually read from this? And I was like, like, I read that, read that, read that. Like, we went shelf by shelf, and she was yeah. like, All right, yeah, fair. But there's just there's too many. The bottom shelves, the shameful shelves, which are all like triple stacked, that aren't in the pictures or the TikToks. Yeah, I've um, got like a pile of shame, which are books that I started and then for no reason whatsoever just put down. No, I've, I'm not DNFing it because I, I was into it. Yeah, it. Uh, even if I hate it, I, I usually will persevere. There's probably been one or two books ever that i have just gone no thank you yeah um, i'm series. game of thrones is one of them game i've of got thrones. a lot more comfortable with dnfing because i'm like there's too many books i want to read so mm-hmm. yeah i read one that was lent to me from a colleague at work and i pushed myself to 100 pages and i was like no yeah yeah so like i, I keep trying to i've got classics and i really want to read them because it's just good it, it's nice to read classics and Especially a lot of these ones are like starts of certain types of genres. It's just like interesting. Sometimes they're not they're not easy reading. Mm, and yeah. they really do put me behind in like everything else I want to read because they take me longer because I'm not overly enjoying them. Yeah, um, that's how I felt with like some classic horror that I read. Our house is very much if there's a space where I can stack books, then books are being stacked there now. Yeah, I used before I got the bookcases, I used to be like ceiling high stacks of books. Yeah. Uh, my son also has two bookshelves and multiple stacks of books all over the house. And I go in and I'm like, hey, you need to clear some of these books out. You don't even read them. And I'm like, oh, I've got to take that back right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> what if he thinks you do it? <laughs> what if he t- he's going to turn around and say that to me one day? And I'm going to be like, oh, you've got a point. Oh. So then I'm like, no, it's fine. We can keep those books. It's fine. Yeah, mummy, we're going to do a spring clean. No, we're not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like, I can't say things to him that I'm not willing to do. And the biggest one of them is get rid of books. If there's an apocalypse or whatever, books will be great because they don't need, you know, electricity. Yep. If all that goes out, you can read. And then also the ones that you don't really care about, 
you can burn them if you need to so it just makes sense or you can use them for toilet paper if you need to yeah it just, just makes yeah, sense you're just preparing for the apocalypse just yeah yeah you know i always see that thing where it's like oh like <laughs> couldn't grab my books in a fire there's too many of them like this has cost so much <laughs> oh my god yes if i sat that down would, no i can't yeah that would be the biggest thing is that these are all especially like weird interesting editions that i've got from charity shops i'd rather just well. go down with them whenever everyone's like oh what would you like you know if every everyone was safe outside and your pets were safe like what would you be most sad to lose in a fire and i'm like the books yeah obviously on that note anyway, guys <laughs> in the comments wherever instagram just let tell us books that made you cry and or give us a harry potter rant you can dm us on the the lazy book lovers podcast instagram as well and like if you're comfortable with us sharing it we'll share it and if not <laughs> we're gonna share it anyway we'll just block your name out <laughs> <laughs> yeah let us know the books that have um traumatized you or and also your harry potter rants the main reason we did do books that made us cry this week is because i have mentioned all the right places so many times it was a very recent trauma when we did our first recording <laughs> yeah like literally you'd just finished it from the first episode hadn't you like the week i think i think i just finished it and then started reading my trash reading that yeah one. yeah yeah cool until That's next it. week. Enjoy. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Check out the link tree in our Instagram bio for our blogs, TikToks, and our own Instagrams.